The Leap Foundation proudly presents the Meet the Mentor podcast with Dr. Bill Dorfman. Dr. Bill is a TV host, New York Times bestselling author, two-time Guinness World Book record holder, fitness guru, celebrity cosmetic dentist, and philanthropist who founded the Leap Foundation. Here's Dr. Bill. Hey, Dr. Bill here. Excited to do another great Meet the Mentor. Before I do, the reason we do this is as a precursor to LEAP, right? LEAP is going to be July 16th to the 23rd this year at the beautiful UCLA campus. If you want more information, you can go to our website, www.leapfoundation.com or call 877-855-5327. Confirmed, we definitely are going to have Shay Mitchell, and it looks like we'll also get uh, Chrissy and her husband, John Legend, uh, Chrissy Teigen and John Legend. So we're super excited about that. And it will be an epic year as always. So please, please, please look for our updates. Go on our website and enroll early. If you are a parent and you have a child 15 to 25 and you don't know what to do with them this summer and you want to do something amazing and great, please send them to LEAP. We teach students skills they don't learn in school so they can be successful in life and it works. Um, Without further ado, I will introduce you to our mentor today. This is Sean Castrina. He is an entrepreneur, a best-selling author, and host of the 10-Minute Entrepreneur Podcast called 10-Minute Entrepreneur Podcast. Um, He's going to talk to us today about why small businesses should think like Fortune 500 companies and vice versa. So, Sean, welcome to Meet the Mentor. Great to be on here, Dr. Bill. All right. So let's start off. What's your background? Okay. You know, I was a Division I college wrestler uh, who, you know, grew up really poor, but I'm in college and I figured I would just, you know, get a job and work my way up and be a CEO, seek, discover, and, and, and achieve. And in grad school, I lost my dream job. And when you ever hear the words, we're going in a different direction, you only want that to be in an airplane and or a car. So, you know, I lost my dream job and and I, then I knew I'd never work for anybody again long term. I'd do something short term till I get on my feet because, you know, I was newly married, just had a baby. But I knew that it was we were going to do something that I owned. And so that's kind of what propelled everything over the last 30 years. So talk to me about the 10 minute podcast that you do. Yeah, well, I have the attention span of a flea, which your guests will definitely pick up on. I, I have a lot of businesses and partnerships, and I typically talk to my partners in very quick, like there's a thing like, you know, George W. Bush, you know, had standing meetings 15 minutes long, and that's typically how I'm with my partners. And they told me one day, one of my partners said, why don't you just do this as a podcast that way we can just listen to it? Like you're always throwing out like quick stuff, like example, you know, you can't manage people that can't manage themselves. That would be a Seanism. And then I go into 10 minutes on why the, why this guy didn't work out. And I'd be, well, he's got this problem, this problem, this problem. And you thought you were going to change it. Talented, but you can't manage himself. That would be a podcast. So that's how it all got started. I was having lunch. One of my partners said, please, you need to turn it into a podcast so we can listen to it. And we don't all have to meet together. And the rest is you know, history. You know, It's top 50 in over 50 countries. And so it's worked out pretty well. And you've done, you said over 500 episodes? Yeah. 
And I think we're at over 500. And yeah, I'm, I'm positive we're definitely at around 500 podcasts. And what is this a once a week deal you do? We do it three times a week. So we do is with one oh, day a week, one day a week I teach, and then two of them are interviews. So I like, to, I love to teach. That's what I enjoy the most. So typically I'll teach a lesson and then two, I'll interview entrepreneurs, you know, typically, you know, what, what do you wish you would have known when you first got started? You know, you know, and just, I'll try to yank a few really great nuggets. Failure is best heard through a secondhand story and a heck of a lot cheaper. So that's, and I've had the fortune to interview some extraordinary entrepreneurs. Like next week we have Ed Milet. So it's worked out well. All right, cool. So let's talk about why a Fortune 500 company should act like a small business and vice versa. Well, the biggest thing, I think small businesses tend to, because they hear that word small, they stay small. And you don't have to stay small. I mean, you may choose to stay small, and I, I don't hold that against you, but but you can think like a Fortune 500 company. And, and how do you do that? Number one is that you market. I always say when you watch the Super Bowl, it's going to shock you, but Budweiser sells beer and they've been doing it for a really long time, but they'll spend about $20 million reminding you of that this, you know, this February and and it's redundant, but you know, Apple's going to tell you they sell an amazing phone and they're going to keep reminding you of that. And I just think what we find is, is that small business owners, the first thing they stop doing is marketing. It's the thing that they cut their budget on. The next thing is they never make a a math. They never make a hire above themselves. Mark Zuckerberg hires Sharon Sandberg. Why? Because he hadn't figured out how to monetize Facebook. He spent two months courting her, literally. You know, just you know, dinners. You know, her and her husband trying to lure her to Facebook. Well, small businesses need to think the same way. That who is the one hire that's better than you? I'll tell you. If you want to learn how to scale your company. You're under 25. I'm going to give you the best scaling advice right here. Hire someone who's extraordinary. Because what you tend to do is hire somebody who's your friend or your family. Why? Because they're cheap and they'll never push you. They'll never, you know, confront you. So you hire somebody weak. Now you want to hire somebody that intimidates you in their area of giftedness. You can be the leader. You can be the CEO and you can eat like Mark Zuckerberg. He came up with Facebook, but he hired somebody that I'm sure that he looked at in awe. Steve Jobs, Tim Cook. I mean, Tim Cook took Apple to a billion, you know, to a trillion dollar evaluation. It wasn't Steve Jobs, but that's an extraordinary hire. You know, Bill Gates, you know, again, hire Steve Ballmer. So you could, it's that extraordinary hire. And I find that small business owners, they, they don't market. They never make that audacious hire. They never put money away. I mean, if you look at, you know, great companies, they put money away so that they can buy other companies so that they can, you know, do research and development. But small right. businesses don't. You know, that. on that note, I'm going to share a personal story so going the opposite way. So um, you've heard of Phillips, right? I mean, yes, they, of course. They, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they've got, I think, three huge product lines, their biggest are light bulbs, almost every light bulb in the world. They are Philips, Philips Electronics. And then they also have the Sonicare toothbrush. And the Sonicare toothbrush alone, that one toothbrush was a billion dollar skew for them. Every year, a billion dollars. But the problem with that toothbrush is that it is a consumer product. And Philips had no presence in the professional market, in the dental office. 
So they bought my company, Discus Dental. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Sean, but I invented Zoom tooth whitening. And Zoom tooth whitening was only available in a dental office. So we were the opposite. We had a great presence professionally, no presence in the consumer market. And Philip's idea was we will buy this company and then we'll expand our footprint. And now we will be in the professional market and you know the consumer market, right? So they did. They they bought they bought Discus Dental from me um, in 2010. Here's the problem: a huge billion dollar company that has a very massive grasp in the consumer market knows what they're doing in the consumer market. The reason they had no presence in the professional market was they didn't know how that market worked. We mastered that. So they came in, they bought our company, and they tried to run it like they did for their consumer market. And guess what happened? That's a, if they didn't keep you around for two years, that was the worst decision. They and, and have to keep the, the team around. You're right. I absolutely, I volunteered to stay. Yeah. Like, I love these guys. They were, it was a great amicable sale. We made a lot of money. We shook hands. I was willing to stay for as long as they wanted me. They basically went through all my employees and they handpicked the ones they wanted. Not always the best choice. Yeah. And they ran that business. And, you know, I can't tell you, like definitively how it did, but from the outside, didn't look good. <laughs> well, you look at the, I mean, Amazon purchases Zappos and he leaves Tony completely in place and basically says, I'm not touching a thing. <laughs> like I'm buying your company because you have figured out, you know, Zappos right. an extraordinary online, you know, say, you know, just an incredible company, great culture. And they bought it. And that's what it, Jeff just left them alone. Which is smart. Well, here's the, the first thing they did is they dropped the name Discus Dental. We were one of the most popular brands in the dental world. People today, this happened in 2010, mm -hmm. people today still call Phillips saying, is, is this Discus? You know, it's like, let's say you paid a, a gazillion dollars and you bought Coca-Cola. And the first day you owned Coke, you said, eh, we're going to pick a new name. Coca-Cola is not that good. They fell victim of hubris. Yes. I mean, that it's, it's just pure, yeah, it's purely hubris because the two biggest things that they, number one is they didn't have a value of your brand. They had they had a value of your of what you could bring to them because you could be inside the office, but they truly never valued your brand to the point where you keep the name. You keep the name. I mean, that's a no-brainer. They paid good money. You keep the name. And number two is they didn't keep the team in place that created the company that they're buying. Like, how did this happen? Why would we even want to buy this company? Well, I want to buy the people that did it. Not buy, but you know what I'm saying? I want to bring them on as at least a two-year consultant to bridge the gap. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would have thought. So, it, 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 you know, and I don't know, I kept sitting there scratching my head because I was so willing to stick around and work for them. But, you know, I think it's really smart for, you know, big companies to sometimes look at littler ones and see what they're doing that's successful and then capitalize on that. No, there's no question. I do that in reverse. You know, you know, small businesses need to think like Fortune 500, and then Fortune 500 the same way. That you know, if a Fortune 500 company acted scared, if you've ever had payroll, 
as, as a small business owner, you know what that's like. I mean, you know what it's like to meet payroll. You know what it's like to try to scale and, and how important it is to, to keep looking for growth opportunities. And, and fortunately, look at JCPenney, look at Sears, look at Blockbuster Video. How Blockbuster Video did not notice Netflix mailing out videos, did not notice these little red machines in front of like CVSs and grocery stores. How do you not notice that? Sears was still was sending out 500 page catalogs when American online was at the peak of its powers, you know, yeah. online. I mean, it, it's insanity. Yeah. And look where Sears is now and look where Blockbuster is now. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, you, you have the smartest thing that you have to do, you know, climbing that mountain is hard. Staying at the top of it is harder. Right. I mean, you know, and if you don't evolve in any business you're in, if you don't continue to evolve and change over, you will never stay at the top of the mountain. Yeah, well, the small business owner has a little bit of frightened in them. I mean, I, I still, you, you always have, you, you always have that, what, what you know, that I, I could lose this, you know, uh, you know, people could stop buying from me. I, I could go out of business. You know, you don't dwell on it, but you still have a little bit of that in you. I think what happens in Fortune 500 companies, none of them are founders anymore. They're all employees. So they know they're going to get paychecks. If they don't, they're going to get buyouts. You know, they're going to get the, some type of settlement. They don't have that fear. When you buy, when you start a company and it's all your money, that's that's gives you a healthy scared. And that well, let me tell you, companies to be wise. To have let that. me tell you something else. You know, when we entered the tooth whitening market, you know, we were the little guys. Discus Dental was the little guy. And, you know, we're competing now with Colgate and Crescent, all these multi-billion dollar companies. And we beat them. And you know how we beat them, Sean? We were I'm, I'm actually trying to figure it out. We were nimble. We were quick. If we if we saw something going on, boom, we could react and we could address it right away. They go into committees and meetings and this and that. And by the time they made the change, we were already 10 steps ahead of them. You know, so we were able to navigate and get through things and do it so quickly and not everything we did was perfect, but it was fast. And if it wasn't right, we could correct immediately and then proceed. And they're still, you know, in all their, you know, meetings trying to figure out where to go. We've already left them in the dust. Yeah. You could make a decision within 30 days and execute on it. They, they they know it 30 minutes, man. I mean, yeah, that's was, I mean, that's incredible, but we know in a fortune 500 company, that's a year of committees. Yeah, it's literally yeah. a year of committees. So even if it was a good idea, by the time they go to execute on it, it it's no longer it's a dormant idea, or it's not even a good idea at that time. I'm gonna, I'm going to give you a really fun example. Um, I don't even know if you guys ever heard this. It was kind of really cool. So when I was on ABC's hit show Extreme Makeover, Zoom tooth whitening exploded. So we got word that Fox was going to do a, a show called The Swan, right? And we knew the doctor who was going to be the dentist on the swan. And she had told us that she was going to use Zoom on the swan. Well, for us, that, that's a home run. I mean, uh, that's a product on placement. <laughs> both on both primetime TV makeover shows, all you would see was Zoom whitening, right? So, you know, we thought this would be amazing. So it turns out that the lawyer for the swan was my patient. 
and I'm at the gym in the morning. And he says, yeah, we're starting filming the swan today. I said, awesome. So I called the dentist who was the dentist for the swan. I said, hey, I just want to make sure you have all the Zoom product you need and this and that and the other thing. She's like, well, I kind of got an offer from this other company you know, and they're going to give me their product and pay me money and, you know, to use their product on the swan. I'm like, come on, really? She said, well, I said, have you signed a contract with them? She said, no. I said, don't sign it. Send me their contract. We'll beat it and send I you. I was going to say, you thought exactly. I know I'm going more. I know I'm going, I'm going more we than what they're paying. In a matter of two hours, we yeah. took all the paraphernalia from her office that had this other product out. Re I had a sales rep there in the area, go there, replace it all with Zoom. And when that show premiered, all you saw for tooth whitening for the next three years on primetime TV, Fox and ABC was Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. And the sales for my company quadrupled as a result. No, there's no question. The ability to be nimble, and, and that's what small businesses have the ability, but they have, but you obviously had an extraordinary vision, far greater than a small business. And that's that balance. Again, the bit, you know, the Fortune 500 companies, they need to think a little bit scared. They need to manage their money a little bit more like a small business. You know, they, you know, you can be, you know, constantly look to grow your company, but they get sloppy. You know, they get these massive lines of credit. And when they go under, you can't fix it. Like it's so drastic. It's so, look what happened in 2008. How do these companies that big have no cash flow? Like literally two weeks right. away from going out of business, car, you know, Dodge and things like that. Small bit, you can't, you can't run like that. All right. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah. Give me the top three things that a small business should be doing and the top three things a Fortune 500 company should be doing. All right. All right, small business. First thing is you need to market. You need to have a brand that you beat into the subconscious mind. I don't care if you're in a, a city of 30,000. I don't care what it is. You need to have a brand. What's, you know, just absolutely, you, you need to have something that you're promoting, marketing, and you never stop. You never stop beating that drum. Number two is this is maybe the best piece of advice I can give you. If you want to create a brand, a lot of people don't know how to do it. And this is what big Fortune 500 companies do really well. What is the one promise that if you could make and deliver on, your customers would chase you down for your business? They would chase you down for it. You think about Domino's Pizza did it with 30-minute deliveries. You look at Southwest did it with the lowest airfares. Amazon did it. Anything in the world you want will get we'll ship it to you in like 12 hours. All your great FedEx we can get any package, any letter, anywhere in the world in, in, in 24 hours. You need to come up with a promise that's so audacious, so big, so shocking like that. And you build your whole company around being able to perform that. That's my second. The third thing is staff. You got to make the extraordinary hire. You got to make the hire that's so big, excites you that literally when you go to the office in the morning, you go to your store, you, however you do it, you can't believe that person's in the building with you. That's how big of a hire you need to make. Now, if you're a Fortune 500 company. By the way, yeah. I love what you're saying. It's like so spot on. I absolutely am adoring this. So go continue. It's I great. I appreciate it. Thank you. Now, Fortune 500 companies, you get lazy, you get fat, you do. 
Number one is that you got to continue to want to grow as if you can go out of business in the next two years, because guess what? You can. You need to always assume you're two years away from being taken over from a competitor in that where they have a market share and you're on the backslide of it. And, and you're trying, you're fighting for you're fighting for your life, Circuit City, Radio Shack. I mean, I can go on and on about companies that were formidable and gone. So you need to ha- you need to always be fighting for that market share. You always need to always know you're two years away from being not nobody interested in what you have. Number two is is that you can you know you have to utilize your cash. Stop. Stay off the lines of credit. I think that what we what we try to do is everything. Lines of credit makes makes us lazy and stupid. When it's your money, true cash. I just think lines. You got to be very careful. But with lines of credit, is when you're big businesses, because they force you to get very very lazy, because they are. So I'm just really. I think you got to be really careful with debt as a Fortune 500 company. And then finally, you know. Never, ever stop acquiring other companies. The great companies are always buying up other companies. You know, again, you know, I forgot, you know, Yahoo could have bought Google. I think it was for $5 billion. Blockbuster could have bought up Netflix for $50 million. And the stories are endless down the road. When you see a formidable tiger, you buy it. And you don't think that you're just going to, that happens. There's always that opportunity where the, the younger company with an extraordinary dynamic leader arises. And in every one of the stories that I've heard, there's was the opportunity to buy them. When it happens, buy them, <laughs> buy them. Because, you know, again, you think about it with Google, could Yahoo could own Google. Blockbuster could own Netflix. You know, you, you hit, the nail on the head on every single one of those. I'm going to share a, another, you know, little story that was hilarious. So as Zoom started growing and growing and growing, you know, because we had so much exposure on TV, our only competition was Bright Smile, you know, and Bright Smile had something called a submarine patent. So they were able to alter their patent and make it in a way where we were now infringing on their patent. So we had to continue to change our products so we weren't infringing. And at a certain point, my scientist said, Doc, we we can't change it anymore or it's not going to whiten teeth. What did we do, Sean? We bought Bright Smile. I was going to say, I, 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 I hoped I knew the answer to the question. For $65 million. But what did that do for us? We now owned the all IP worldwide on in-office light-activated tooth whitening systems. By the competition, by the technology, by the talent. And we stayed good friends with everybody too. It was really friendly. I mean, we said, hey, look, we don't want to compete with you guys. Can we just buy you? You know, we negotiated a price, we bought them and and then we we kept their good people and we grew the company even bigger. That's what smart people do. I mean, you know, the, the smart people pick it up pretty fast. Others, you know, again, hubris takes over arrogance takes over and, and that, that seems to be the great fall of the fortune 500 companies that i've seen you know again i think there's a, a 11 11 of all fortune 500 companies are in business that were fortune 500 companies in 1960 wow only 11 percent of them on the spot one last time 
Yeah, you, your audience needs to know that I don't know any of these questions or I know, no, are and you're on doing the spot. really well. I'm actually really impressed. All right. So if I'm a young student, I just graduated college, I want to start up a business. What are the top three things I should focus on right now today? Okay. First thing is, what do you, un it's possible at 18, what do you understand and you have a level of giftedness with? My son was 18, very gifted in TikTok and has made a fortune. Okay. He understood it. Okay. I don't know what yours is, but do you have an area of giftedness that you genuinely understand at a level better than your peers that you could start launch a business? You'd be the primary contractor, the primary talent, and then you bring others around and grow it with you. That would be the first thing. The second thing is, is, is there a problem that you're very aware of that you think you could solve service companies? Are, are, are always out there. You can still make money doing a lot of mundane things that aren't very sexy. You'd be shocked in service companies. You know, people still need to clean gutters. People need to power wash houses. People need to still clean cars. People still want people to run errands for them. All those things are, you can never replace human talent. There is not AI in the world that can knock on a person's door, climb up and clean their gutters. And guess what? All when right. they can, we're replaced. So they're the two that I would do. The third thing is, is that look at your, look at, don't rush to start a business. I would say, go work somewhere to understand a business. I, I would, I've said this, go work for free for three months. Find what it is you're kind of fascinated with. Like if I was fascinated with something, let's say it was publishing, let's say it was writing or whatever it is. See how close you can get to someone for free and offer to work with them, offer. And, and so you can have 90 days to kind of understand it. We'll go to college for four years, pay $150,000, and we won't work for 90 days for free. So again, my mine would be is that I, I think the third one is, is maybe take a job, maybe take an internship, maybe decide to work for free, but try to understand an industry and see if it's what you think it is and, and, and go from there. And maybe you can partner, you know, parlay it into a partnership at some point. You know what? All excellent, 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 excellent advice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So if uh, people listening want to uh, follow you on your 10-minute entrepreneur podcast, where do they find it? Apple and Spotify, I sure hope, because we do real well. And if it's 10-minute entrepreneur podcast hosted by Sean Castrina, uh, on Instagram, you, I'm very easy to find Sean.Castorina. And if you go to SeanCastorina.com, you can get a free book, The Eight Unbreakable Rules for Business Startup Success. So those three things, you, everything I shared with you is free. So go, any of those will help you. Sean, thank you so much. That was excellent. You're right. You exceeded my expectations. So thank you so much. I appreciate it, Dr. Bill. Thank you for having me. All right. Hey, Dr. Bill, over and out. Listen to the Meet the Mentor podcast with Dr. Bill Dorfman on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.